Welcome back to another episode of Spilling the Behavior Tea Podcast with Sam and Jeanette. By the way, that was never planned for us to do that way. <laughs> I don't think we ever <laughs> planned an intro. It, no. It wasn't even established like me saying this, you say that. We just kind of fell into it. It just flows naturally. <laughs> oh, wow. But like... If I don't add the with Sam and Jeanette, it just doesn't feel finished. <laughs> the line doesn't feel finished. Um, I guess it's kind of good that I cover myself in this video because I didn't know my hair looked like that, but now I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I have a U on one part and then I have the outline on the other. <laughs> like covering... Minimize it and then you I have, have it covering me. Oh, oh, yeah, that's funny. Um, so today's topic is one that we often talk about and we think it's important that people understand and know mm-hmm. because I think it's something that's kind of forgotten about kiddos with special needs. Um, a lot of the, like, which we're not, we're not saying like typical kids don't need the extra help or whatever, but. We're just asking for understanding. Yes, today's episode is solely focused on our kiddos with special needs. Mm -hmm. And just like understanding that kiddos with special needs do work over time. Like just because we don't see it does not mean it's not happening. Like we're going to explain how it's happening, but we just we've noticed it so much in our kiddos in the past, how much work they put in extra work they put in when it's like it's it's, i don't know it breaks my heart to see like how hard they work and how how hard they try to do things to fit into this typical world quote unquote like Mm -hmm. to fit into society's standards or whatever all while trying to or being taught to like mask their feelings and mask who they are it's not cool it's not fun yes um kids with special needs we know that they are not only working hard at reaching their own goals but they get pulled in different directions mm-hmm. and a lot of the time the 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 day-to-day norm out in the world it's not equipped for them yeah like there's i mean we're we've come a long way in terms of inclusion but i think we can go even further yeah, um, they face very unique challenges. Yeah, super unique. It's just, I mean, you'll you'll hear it all, everything that, I mean, not even everything that they face because we, even we don't know every single thing that they, fa- they face or go through. Um, and then it also depends on the severity of the case as well. Yeah. You know, so it just, it sucks. I mean, and I know I've talked about it before where I've worked with, kids with special needs and higher ups quote unquote like will want them to put in work even if they're sick or whatever and i've said like i am not gonna make kids work when they're sick number one because first of all kids that we've worked with they are special needs and they are already working overtime so you want them to work triple time that's how i see it if they're sick i'm not down with that in the unique case if they're like also on their period i would that to me is also working triple time yeah 
We know how that feels for us. Yeah. That to me is also working triple time and I wouldn't want to have a kiddo have to do that. Yeah. And one thing I do want to say um, that I mentioned in the last episode was for me, it's this topic about iPads and screen time and whatever. So for me, I'm a firm believer in not having iPads, access to iPads during school. However, I'm not opposed to it after school just because I see it as a way for kiddos to decompress. I understand that they're at school all day and going through a lot, like we say, working overtime. And it just, I get it if they want to go home and just chill and be on their iPad and not do a ton. Obviously in moderation. Yeah. But like, I just compare it to like, we come home and we scroll on social media or we watch TV to decompress. And that that's that just may be their way of decompressing is just to go to iPad time and decompress. And I think a lot of people don't see it that way. A lot of people just see like, oh my gosh, the kid is on the iPad all day, every day. And it's like, well, you don't know what they go through, like what's happening in their heads. You don't know how they decompress. Mm-hmm. This is a way that they want to decompress. And I think that's totally valid. Yeah. Because we know that um, in their daily life, they have a team who's working with them. These kids are a getting team as as in parents, teachers, aides, therapists, speech therapists, or occupational therapists, any other kind of therapists, mm-hmm. uh, doctors, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and they are getting pulled in different directions. All of Some these people have different, different goals, goals for the kid. And a so, lot of the times we talked about it before, these kids don't even know mm-hmm. what they're working but, towards. So at the same time, they're playing a guessing game. Mm-hmm. They don't know what plan is, what type of plan this is. They don't know what, they don't know what's going on. Yeah. All they know is that they have uh, another day of uh, busy schedules. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It overwhelms me just thinking about it. Like, yeah. I can only imagine how they feel. Yeah, because when we work with kids, we have a schedule to follow. They have to go to OT. They have to go to speech. They have to mm-hmm. do this. They have to do that. And that's just what we do in the school setting. Then they go home. Mm-hmm. They have um, so ADA services. Uh-huh. It's a lot. It's a lot for them. So it's like, <laughs> if I were the parent... Go for it. Be on an iPad. Do what you need to do to decompress. This is a lot on you. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've mentioned before, just like, you know, me as an IBI, I need you to be doing what you're supposed to be doing because if you don't, I'm not doing my job. So imagine that's just one person. Everyone that's working with this child has different goals that they need the kiddo to meet. And remember, and- sometimes they're going against what you've Mm-hmm. What you're teaching them or, you know, like, that's why it's so important for the team to be on the same page with things. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so many miscommunications that can happen, which can also lead to regression in the kiddo. It's there's so many tiny, tiny factors to take into consideration. Yeah. So it's a lot to um, think about. It's a lot for kiddos that are going through it. We see it because we work closely with them. Mm-hmm. So cut a cut. It gets some slack. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, like some of them do get 
more um more breaks which is in my book perfectly fine because mm. they need it they did de- they deserve it in my opinion i mean we've seen both sides of the spectrum where a kiddo is literally overworked mm-hmm. right no breaks constantly working at school and then at home as well and it it leads to burnout in a kid. Yeah. Or, you know, um, sometimes the kids get irritated. Sometimes the kids are tired. They're crying. Mm-hmm. They're having meltdowns. You're trying to figure out why. <laughs> They're tired. Mm-hmm. From putting in so much work. Mm-hmm. And so we have a list of ways that are reasons why kiddos with special needs may be needing to put in more work than their peers or than others. Um, obviously, there there may be some learning differences. Some children, some kids with special needs are stronger academically in other parts and mm-hmm. take no effort whatsoever. And in other parts, they do need a little more help. Um, example, I had a kiddo who was literally a genius in math. You can give her, like, a sheet of multiplication and she'll do it in, like, five minutes. Mm-hmm. Super quick, understands the concepts, numbers are her thing. Reading was a little tougher. Understanding the concept of reading in your head is a little tougher, which I never actually thought about. Like, that kind of made me open my eyes a little more. Like, well, wow, like, I never thought about, like, having to make that association, like, reading in your head and reading a book. Like, just having the book in front of you and reading it in your head. Like, it, like how do you explain that to a kid? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you explain for somebody to read something in their head? You can't. It's so hard. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, some of them have learning differences. And they need to kind of work harder to, to understand concepts and skills and complete tasks. Depending on their limitation. So... Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen that learning differences and in many different aspects in life skills, in academics. Yep. Another thing is physical limitations. Um, Some kids have to work harder at just learning how to grasp a pencil, which we've seen a lot of times. Mm. So occupational that... therapy, they go to occupational therapy to, to really work on their fine motor skills and their gross motor skills. Um, The physical limitations are a big one because... Well, some kids, let's say they're sitting in a classroom, they're taking notes, which we've seen a lot. You know, kids may be done while your kiddo is still trying to write the first sentence because it takes them longer to write. Mm-hmm. Which is also, I mean, like some accommodations are made as well. Um, mm-hmm. Rightfully so. Yeah. I think it's good when a co- when accommodations can be made because they can do something that's at least it can make something a little bit more easier. Like, if they do have difficulty writing, they can go and type instead of write, things like that. Mm-hmm. And those are the accommodations that are needed to mm-hmm. help a child succeed in his education. Yeah. And then there's, like, communication challenges. So sometimes they have to go to speech therapy, um, and sometimes they have, like, a language disorder or they, they have speech delays where they have to work extra hard um, on their communication skills and really try to develop new 
language skills and use different methods of communication. So a lot of kiddos with autism, they need to use alternative communication methods like the like PECS, picture picture exchange communication system. Um, some use an iPad to communicate. Some use like a board with the alphabet on it and they point to each letter that they're trying to spell something. Um, the PECS is like icons with certain things on them and they can either make a sentence or point to what it is. Um, they also need to learn social communication skills. So mm-hmm. how to communicate socially with their peers and whatnot. Yeah, and so it's really hard. Like I've seen it on the playground. I've seen it with kids when they're trying to make friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they they can't read sometimes or a lot of the times one of their goals is to learn how to read cues when having a conversation with other people so mm-hmm. that's when um you see the kiddos on the playground trying to fit in and the other kids don't really understand and they that's when the kid unfortunately becomes if there's no teaching a child about differences with kids not everyone's the same well that's when a kid could become like the weird kid because he doesn't understand those social skills so they have to work extra hard at learning the social Mm -hmm. cues yeah and also like going up to kids and asking them to play or being included by other Mm -hmm. kids and yeah i just it sucks yeah and that that's a big one when we say that People in the team, different sectors in the team are pulling these kids in different directions because it could also be the opposite where, um, you know, they have that goal, that gold on their IEP plan for, you know, working on their social skills. And sometimes our kids don't want to talk, but it's expected mm-hmm. to meet that goal. So they yeah. are forced. They are forced to practice their social skills and Mm -hmm. and have to socialize when they don't want. And that's the thing where it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's that's the hard part too, because like sometimes even in class, they're already doing social stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when they go outside for like recess, which is their time to decompress their break. And then you're trying to force them to socialize further when they're they could also be saying like, well, this is my time to decompress. Talk to other people. This is my time to decompress. I just want to do me and chill out. I just want to swing on this swing and be by myself. Like, and then people see that as like, oh, they're a loner. Like, no, maybe they just want to chill by themselves. Maybe they don't. They are tired of socializing from all morning. And now they just want to be themselves and chill by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the pressure falls on the IBA that's working with the kiddo because you're trying to do what you're supposed to do. But then if you've been in the field long enough, I think you grow that. Or you just, for me, it was like, I get it. It's on your IP gold, but right now it's your time, dude. And just I do never, what makes you. I never made my kids socialize. I just thought it was a very fake thing to do. Yeah, no, I did. You know, we talked about it in different um, episodes where in the beginning I was like by the book, but then eventually you just kind of, you know, you learn to put yourself in their shoes and it's like, I get it. Like, just Mm -hmm. go do what you want to do. And it's so hard because as an IBI, you have so many people watching you and judging you from 
up, you know, like just from the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people that judge you, they don't know what it's like working with a kid. Like, you know, like if I, let's say a scenario, I'm, we're standing in the playground, in the middle of the playground, and I'm just letting my kid do him or do her. And just, she wants to go by the fence and just kind of hang out by herself. Then to others, it looks like, oh, you're just standing there. You're not doing nothing with your kiddo. They don't know. They don't know that you're actually giving your kiddo some some downtime to just do what they want to do and decompress. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of that pressures kind of, to follow these IEP goals. That kind of, this is probably up, off topic a little bit, but that like, that reminded me of this one time my kiddo was tantruming. It was like towards the end of the day. I think they were doing like a spelling test or something and she tantrumed and I took her right outside the classroom and it was like towards the end of the day so parents were on campus and all this stuff and this like I guess he was like a grandpa of a kid but like my kid was calming down she was chilling out cool and then this grandpa dude came over and he asked her are you okay and I was like grandpa I know you don't know but you can't be doing that and there she goes escalated more like when it comes to our kiddos if you don't know don't get involved because <laughs> a lot of times if you interrupt and and I know we understand the intentions are there the good intentions are there but with a, a lot of our kiddos it just escalates them even more because yeah. you're giving that that you're nurturing that type of behavior the the screaming and the yelling behavior yeah and um you know the more you're in this field the more you learn to just follow their lead mm-hmm Follow your kiddo's lead. It will give you so much more, a, a greater outcome. Mm -hmm. And then there's also their, like we said, their social skills development um, because it's difficult to read social cues and social skills, build relationships. And then it's too, like, they learn how to have conversations, but it's kind of, like, robotic in a way. Like, it's not natural. So... Like what I would do with my kiddo, I would just sit there and during her breaks, I would just have conversations with her. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because she used to have speech and my kiddo was not a big eye contact person. And I would just, I mean, we would color and we wouldn't look at each other or anything. We would just color and talk. And this one time her speech teacher passed us and we were just talking and she was like, oh, wow, like. She actually looks at you in the eyes when she talks to you. And I was like, does she? Like, I never noticed, you know. And so it just made me think, like, well, maybe it's because I talk to her like normal, mm -hmm. like a normal person. And mm -hmm. she feels safe with me, with telling me things, with talking to me about things. And I understand things that she's saying. And I don't talk robotically and say, like, oh, hello, how are you? Now you say, I'm good. How are you? Like, it just seems so weird to me. Yeah. And that, that makes me think about also a case that I've had before where, um, so in the IEP, one of the goals was obviously the social skills working on them. Mm -hmm. And so this is a case where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to follow your lead because so part of the um, IEP goal was that my kiddo was was supposed to go to, um, I think it was like 
four or five kids during recess time have a conversation with them ask mm -hmm. ask them something about them if you think about that that's a lot for 15 minutes that's a lot <laughs> so then we would do it but then he would ask the question because he was prompted to but when mm -hmm. the kid was answering he didn't, he was not there like he didn't, his yeah. focus was on going to a corner and just chilling and relaxing and just exactly. doing him and he's like asking the question but looking at the corner and like just mm -hmm. kind of walking away as soon as he, and i would have to be like no come back let's wait for her and that's taking time yeah so it's I was not doing that. And so it got to the point where maybe one person, that's it. And then you yeah. get to go. And so that was cool. And eventually. It just becomes like, oh, I'll do it because I have to. But yeah. I don't, I'm not doing it because I want to. Yeah. And guess what? Eventually, this kiddo started practicing his own social skills by him, like on his own, without mm -hmm. having to be prompt. Exactly. That's but how it usually happens. Yeah. And he learned those communication skills from us communicating in the classroom. Like you said, us having the, the that back and forth, you know, just real talk mm -hmm. and um, him that grew confidence in him and to where he little by little learned how to properly communicate with not, I don't want if to it's say the word, I think it is. It, is it the kid who had like a whole posse by the end of the time? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was and like a butterfly in the end. Yeah. You just had to give him space to, yeah. you know, develop this on his own instead of forcing it. Yeah. That's the same, I... the same happened to my kiddo. And, and it, like they would, they would tell us like, okay, you gotta, you gotta make her, like go up to kids and say, hey, can we play, blah, blah, And I would try to, and for first of all, I would ask her like, do you wanna go play with the other people? And she'd be like, no, no. So I was like, all right, I'm not gonna make you. And then eventually she just started going up to kids and being like, can we play? And they were like, sure. And they would lead her, like they would all go play together, whatever. And yeah, and then like eventually some kids, I mean, sometimes, I don't know, you tell me what you think about this because some of her friends were younger younger mm -hmm. kids because she loves young she loved young kids so it's like is that bad that she that younger kids gravitated toward her and she liked hanging out with younger kids or younger kids would come by and say hi to her and want to play with her versus kids her age no i don't think that that's a bad thing because that's what she was comfortable with and yeah. i i saw that case too and i saw how she did gravitate towards younger kids but i think that was the that helped her build up to yeah. eventually talking uh having a uh, communication with kids her age yeah that's so true. just yeah. like that yeah and you know sometimes younger kids are nicer <laughs> yeah for the most part. i know younger kids like me more uh -huh. <laughs> no but yeah, like, like... i think yeah, that was a build-up it was first she went to who she was comfortable with mm -hmm. she practiced those social skills and when she was ready it was on her terms mm -hmm. she eventually started having that connection with the her peers in her own classroom yeah and it's also like I don't know about you, but if I was like being hovered over, like to make friends, like mm. I would feel so much pressure. Like, it's like it's not worth it. It's like, imagine, 
Like, imagine if right here, like, my mom was standing over my shoulder right now and just, like, talking at high. And I'd be like, this is so embarrassing. Like, I feel so weird. Harley yeah. Quinn. And it makes it uncomfortable for the other kids, too. Yeah. And so it's, like... it's just a weird all around. I mean, maybe it works for some kiddos, but so far, I would tell you it has not worked for any of my kiddos. I've always let them be social on their own. I've never forced that on them. Some kids take their recess as their me time, mm-hmm. which I totally respect. Do your thing. Chill out. Like, I would want the same. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that was, that was like, the biggest thing with, like, the one case where, you know, social skills was the big thing for the team. Mm-hmm. And at first, it was always feeling the press- the pressure of Okay, now we need to go check off this list. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of times it took all of the recess time. I felt so mm-hmm. bad. Exactly. I'm like, no, we're not doing that. And so it was It was like, I'm just going to follow his lead. And eventually, like you saw for yourself, this kiddo had so many friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he so was yeah, Mr. Popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then we have emotional regulation. Sometimes they have, well, many times they have difficulty regulating emotions or managing their behavior. It's harder to develop self-regulation strategies, breathing, mindfulness, sensory techniques to manage emotions and behaviors, which is sometimes where we step in to kind of help with that and remind them of their strategies mm-hmm. and what could possibly help them manage their behavior or navigate their behavior um it's hard it's it, hard for them i mean yeah. especially when you see them like tantruming or screaming because of something that they that we think may be small but it's big to them mm-hmm. and just being able to like give them that space to be able to regulate again Mm-hmm. teaching them the different strategies to implement whether it be in the moment or you know having a list or whatever next to them it's a lot of work and mm-hmm. and i was telling Jeanette about this like having to remember all those things i mean it's no wonder that they do have an aid but like can you imagine just having all this other stuff in your brain academics and um and social skills and communication skills all this stuff plus regulation strategies coping strategies like all these things that you have to memorize for when certain situation happens like that's a lot in your brain yeah yep and not to mention that you know a lot of children have sensory sensitivity Mm-hmm. They, on top of everything that you just listed, they have to deal with the sensory issues that they have, which could be something from kids being sensitive to loud notes, kids mm-hmm. being sensitive to just sitting in a crowd. Yeah. Kids I mean, being it can sensitive be to the light. Yeah, to the light, to anything, anything at all. They have mm-hmm. to go through that. They have to learn those coping strategies while trying to learn yeah and they do this daily daily if it's hard for us to leave the comfort of our homes to go to work to go to school to do anything that we need to do it's even 10 times harder for the kiddos who have to deal with these sensory sensitivities and then still 
try to be normal in a classroom setting. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. But, yeah, I mean, sensitivities is a big one because, and you may not, I mean, this is kind of goes hand in hand with, like, the stimming episode we had because, I mean, like I've said before, I have lots of sensory tools and fidget tools, and there's some for everything, you know, if kiddos bouncing in their seat or whatever there's like bouncy bands there's different types of seats rocking seats bouncy seats uh the little ball yoga ball thing and just having to worry about that and then also the stressors of just being a kid and impressing your friends or trying not to be like stand out or whatever you know it's these things that the kiddos go through every 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 kid goes through Mm -hmm. you know especially as they get older. Um, and then the, like, there is too that whole, like, I've had kiddos who are embarrassed to have an aid. Yeah. Totally get. Mm-hmm. So I would always, in those cases, I would just tell the teacher, like, treat me like a teacher's aid. I'm here for all the kids, but secretly I'm here for that kid. Yeah. <laughs> things like that. Um, there's just so many things that go into, that come into play with these kiddos and it's like mm-hmm. how can we even say that these kiddos don't go through much they go through so much so and so more much. working overtime over over time so any chance i got to give my kiddos a break i was like go for it mm-hmm. um and then they also have their individualized goals with um again in their ieps and their education plans um they tailor to the kids needs quote unquote and abilities quote unquote mm-hmm. um and yeah they're i mean some goals are break broken down which is good um and then they get support as well mm-hmm. from their aides and such and so but again lots of times made without their knowledge <laughs> i mean first of all first of all yeah made without their knowledge but also made by people who don't really know the kiddo mm-hmm. um this is why we're such big advocates for like IBIs or pairs being in their uh, IEPs because they're the ones who know the kid the most. They're with them what six and a half hours a day, seven. Yeah. Hours a day, eight, seven. Six hours. and a half. Six and a half ish. Yeah. Oftentimes more because you know how it goes. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lot, and that's only some. Yeah, because another thing like that we don't have on this list because it's so many things. Um, it's them having all these services that they have that they need to work on um because they need it but that takes a lot from the classroom as well i'm going to ot them going to speech then what happens is that they they fall behind academically yeah they fall behind academically and it happens so many times where we come back to the classroom and the lesson plan is over Mm -hmm. but this child is expected to get the work done even though this child didn't sit through the lesson plan because he was in one of his services or her services, but he now has to catch up with the other kids. Yeah. And see this, that I hadn't even thought of that. And so if I hadn't even thought of that, there must be many, many more that we haven't even thought about either. Yeah. And, and again, like they have a literal team pulling them in different directions that they need to keep up with. And sometimes they go against one another sometimes and they're not on the same page has it happened to you 
them that um like we say the teams go against one another and then you're sitting there with the teacher being upset because the kid got pulled out for the services but then the ot person or the speech person is like well this is the only time i have and oh then yeah you're standing there like okay but i need to think about what's right for my kid not about what you your schedule are going and your schedule yeah 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 plenty and of times but it's also happened to me too where like what i do with the kiddo the, the like maybe like a speech person or an ot person is like doing the exact opposite so my kids like hold up wait like why are you talking to me like this when that's not how i'm used to being talked to you know or like the speech person has like the old school mentality still and they're just like well like guilt guilty my kid or shaming my kid and i'm like nah why are you doing that like if there's one thing that i will do is stand up for a kid being guilted or shamed because fuck that i'm sorry but fuck that um kiddos do not need to be going through that especially kids with special needs especially kids with special needs they do not need to be feeling shamed or or guilted or anything if that um but yeah so they have this team pulling them in different directions trying to keep up with that plus plus remembering social skills remembering coping skills remembering communication skills remembering behavior strategies remembering sensory strategies remembering emotional strategies and so freaking much more Can you imagine all that stuff? Like, my brain would hurt. My brain hurts right now thinking about it. <laughs> and they just take it on like champs. And like, and just to fit in to what we deem as normal, quote unquote, or typical, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> so, excuse me, if they want to throw a tantrum every now and then. Like, I completely get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That is Sometimes that's their only way, like, to let it out. <laughs> because sometimes, or a lot of times, they are not being heard when they're trying to show you beforehand that they're tired, they're irritated, they need a break. They're just not feeling it at the moment. And they don't, it's, no, you have to keep going. You have to keep going. Once we're done with this sentence, we could stop. Oh, you did it. Let's do another sentence. Then you Mm -hmm. could Oh, I say. hate that. I hate, I Yeah. hate that. No, you said one sentence, we're done. I hate when people promise things to kids and then don't follow through with it. I hate when you don't mean what you say, when you don't stick to your word. I hate that. And then you wonder why your kiddo's throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you if you Yeah. were in the same shoes? I'll be like, what the you said? And you're supposed to be the adult. You said. Like, promising a kid, like, saying, oh, after this sentence, we're going to go to recess. And then they finish that sentence, and you're like, oh, no, we're going to do another one. No. You said this. That's what we're doing. Stick to your word. Be a man. <laughs> Isn't that the same? Mm-hmm. Be a man. Just kidding. But stick to your word. Like, so that they can take you serious. If you stick to your word when doing positive things, like, they'll take you serious when you're trying to give them a consequence or discipline them. Trust. Because they're going to know you stick to your word. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you're saying, like, uh, if you don't complete this, we're not going to recess, or we're going to take a longer time to go to recess, then they'll be like, oh, snap. You know what? They stick to their word. I'm going to finish this because I know they don't play like that. Yeah.
And like we mentioned, we know that, you know, all kids go through a lot. Mm -hmm. All kids go through a lot. A lot is expected from them. But in this episode, we're focusing on our kiddos with special needs and the extra work they must get done to be able to keep up with the rest of the crowd. And then, like, I can't even imagine, like, the more severe cases. Like, would you like to give a perspective on your nephew's case? Yeah, my, like, obviously. How do, my... feel, how do you feel he works over time? It's a lot for him. Um, he, my nephew is nonverbal, so he cannot communicate with us when he's uh, frustrated, 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 other than, you know, him having meltdowns, him throwing tantrums and, you know. Do you think that's a result of him being frustrated? Yes, I really do. He can't communicate with us to tell us exactly what he's feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, my sister's really on point about um you know like even though he's nonverbal, my sister usually could tell what's wrong with him because they have that you know they have that bond oh. but for the rest of us we don't know mm -hmm. we don't know what he's going through but me i know that if he's having a meltdown he's frustrated about something. so trying to figure out what what's going on and why he's upset is hard because he can't let me know so all I could do is try to make him comfortable. I know yeah, he it's likes hard for him too because he's trying to express what he needs or what he wants, and mm -hmm. he's, his message is not getting across. Nope. He could be in pain. Mm -hmm. He could be hurting. His tummy could be hurting. Anything. Mm -hmm. And I know, like for him right now, he's at a stage where just going out it's a lot. It's mm -hmm. too much. It's an overload. Sensory overload. Mm -hmm. Sensory overload. And I know I've seen it like he's out and he's ready to go home. Yeah. So, their homes are their safe space. Yeah. So it's it's got to that point where he'd rather be home. Well, not than... to mention like the whole changing of of schedules and the whole changing of just the change is also hard for them. Mm -hmm. Another one we didn't remember. Like, because yeah. some kiddos thrive off of routines and schedules, but once there's a change made, mm -hmm. it's so frustrating the because it's change. like, they just put all this effort and work into figuring out this one routine, and now you're going to go and change something, mm -hmm. which makes it harder. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, back to uh, my nephew, it, it could be the smallest things that he cannot communicate. Like, maybe he's thirsty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm... Now he's getting good at he'll bring he'll bring you the cup and put it in your face. Mm -hmm. But you know, like before, like he he wasn't doing that. So and he drinks a lot, so a lot of like juice or water or whatever. So I'm just thinking like about back then when he didn't know or he didn't understand the concept of bringing your cup. And I know you're thirsty. Like how many times was he thirsty that he couldn't communicate with us? So he mm -hmm. threw a tantrum instead or what we would call a tantrum, but he's have because there's a difference between a tantrum yeah, and a meltdown. Mm -hmm. So it's just his frustration that he can't let us know what his needs are at the moment. Yeah. So yes, my nephew does display a lot of meltdowns, but he can't communicate with us. So that's his way of showing us that he's upset about something. And that's only one part mm -hmm. of it mm -hmm. it's only one part of the frustration 
yeah. is the creation. Mm-hmm. Can't even imagine everything else. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot for him. So my biggest thing when he's with me, I'm gonna, I'm going to make sure he's comfortable. <laughs> and so that's like, I mean, we just ask that people be more understanding and take into consideration all the things that they that these kiddos have to go through. They're working overtime, sick, or time of the month, maybe even triple time. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot for their little bodies. Yeah. And then plus the everyday stressors of just being a kid at that at their age. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming me just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so just being understanding and taking that into consideration, letting them decompress when they need to, letting them take breaks when they need to. It's not a bad thing. There needs to be a good balance between work and play. There needs to be. You don't need to have your kiddo learning lessons every five seconds. They need that play. They need to decompress. They need to let their energy out. Or they just need their quiet time, just like mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. They can't. Mean... It's unrealistic to have them work, 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 work all day. And then expecting them to not, like, burst when mm-hmm. they're fed up. You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not fair to them. It's not okay. And just understanding that um, for every behavior, there's something that's going on with them. There's just... an underlying factor. Mm-hmm. So getting, attempting to get to the bottom of that, to be able to work through that. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as you want to, or some people, I don't know how to word it, but, you know, kids don't just have meltdowns just because. There's always mm-hmm. a reason behind it. They haven't learned the skills to tell us how they're feeling. We, as adults, are still learning communication skills, a lot of us. Mm-hmm. We as adults are still learning how to identify our different emotions and where they're coming from. Just keep that in mind next time you think about judging a kid that's having a meltdown. He's having a meltdown for a reason and he's trying to communicate with you what that reason is. He just can't find the words to share with you what Mm -hmm. he's going through or what she's going through because she's trying to figure things out herself or himself. So the best thing remain calm. Give them grace. Mm-hmm. Talk them through it. Guide mm-hmm. them through it. Give them some coping skills. Be there for them. Listen to them. Validate their feelings because that can go a long way. Mm-hmm. And understand all these different factors and that could be taking a toll on them. Yeah. If you happen to be walking by and you see a parent, a caregiver, an IBI, um working through with the kid and um working through the emotions don't judge them Mm -mm. don't judge them they're trying to help this kid they're trying to figure out what's going on Mm -hmm. because i know we've seen it many times where you know my nephew could be having a meltdown and people are staring and they're judging and i'm just like how dare how do you have the nerve to do that like, we would literally get the side eyes. So, I am sorry that my nephew cannot communicate verbally, but this is his way of communicating. <laughs> and again, it's not the kiddo's fault. It's not the parent's fault. It's nobody's fault. Yeah. But it's just working all together. Yeah. Please be understanding. Be respectful. Yeah. Have empathy. 
Don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. And just... And that's how, as a whole world, a whole unit, we um, we could be there for each other. Mm-hmm. We could be there for our kiddos. We could be there for the kiddos, for the caregivers, the parents, um, everyone. And obviously, we said it before, and we'll say it again. That's the change that we need to have in this world. We need to be united when it comes to the kids. We need to make it a more inclusive world for our kiddos with special needs we're all different in our own way and that's okay Mm -hmm. but yeah so that concludes our episode guys tune in every thursday follow us on social media follow us on instagram at sjbehavioralbliss follow us on tiktok sjbehavioralbliss with three t and three s's (laughs) three t's (laughs) where did i get that s's um and visit our website, behavioralbliss.org, and book a session with us. Yes. So we want to hear from you That's fine. We will catch you guys on the next episode. Bye, Bye. you guys. Bye.